cool. Well, it's starting. Oh, whoa. Why have we got... We're recording in stereo. Apparently so. Stereo! Yeah, well, that's cool. Oh, Alright, is that still big enough alright? Yeah, it's doing okay. Yeah, I think it's going alright. Yeah, wave thingies are about the same. Yeah, good good, good way of measuring it. The yeah. wave thingies. The wave thingies. You going or am I going? You're going. I went I'm last go- week. Okay, alright. And welcome to the Cult of Popularity Podcast. Pod, 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 podcast. Take two. Why? Nothing wrong with that. Be shit out, mate. And welcome to the Cult of Popularity Podcast. The only pot, pot, pot uh, but. <laughs> Fuck, we should have been covering Looney Tunes this week. Give <laughs> the Porky Pig moment, mate. It's the Cult of Popularity Podcast. Welcome to the Cult of Popularity Podcast, the only cult that doesn't have a tithing tin. Yet. 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 Alright man, so, what are we talking about this week? So, Hats of Destiny determined that it would be Hanna-Barbera Cartoons, Call of Duty, video game franchise, and Pulp Fiction. Fucking Pulp Fiction. Such a great film. So as with all good things, we'll probably leave that one till the end. That's right. Good things come to those who wait. They do. So, we'll go with Hanna-Barbera first. Yeah, kick things off with uh, Hanna-Barbera. See how we go. Tell you what. I do, I would say, out of cartoons, my favourite, if someone told me, like, I could only choose one sort of cartoons, so I could Hanna-Barbera. 100% for me. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. Like, don't get me wrong. Love me Looney Tunes and stuff like that. But, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons were huge. A lot more there than you realise as well. There really is. When I did the research for this, there is a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. They also went through a number of name changes. I've got in my notes here almost as many name changes as John Farnham had farewell tours. Um, I'm pretty sure he's doing another one soon too. Sweet. Well, that may outdate this list, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, so, brief background on Hanna-Barbera Cartoon Production Company. So... It was founded in 1957. Yeah, right. So, oh, that's fair. It's later than Loon Tunes. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers, I guess. Yeah, well, Hanna-Barbera was actually founded in 1957 by the creators of Tom and Jerry, yeah. former MGM or Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer animation directors, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. So they were working in the animation department at MGM and became mates. And were like, you know what? We can do this. We can fucking make our own cartoons. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they didn't do it like that because they weren't Australian. And it was like the... It was 1939 when they met, so they probably didn't swear as much as that either. You don't know that. I don't know that for sure. I wasn't there. That's just a public image the 30s have tried to put upon us. Well, this is true. Their first cartoon together was, was Oscar-nominated. Yeah, right. It was called Puss Gets the Boot. Oh yeah, so was it like some sort of variation on the old Puss in Boots story, or...? I think the name was just like a play on the words. Yeah, okay. But it was a cat named Jasper and an unnamed mouse. Oh, so it was like the precursor for Tom and Jerry. Precursor for Tom and Jerry, yeah. So it was uh, released, it would hit theatres in 1940, and it went for quite a while, and then then that that became the, the sort of the, the beginning of Tom and Jerry. 
Um, they, they directed Tom and Jerry for shorts for over 20 years. Uh, Hannah did all the animation. We supervised the animation. Didn't do it all himself. And Barbera was in charge of stories and post oh, sorry, and pre-production. Yeah, cool. But that was the main sort of way it got started. They decided who was going to have name precedence with the flip of a coin. Yeah, right. So they're just like, cool. Heads, it's Hannah. Tails, it's Barbera. Yeah. Now, we've discussed this previously coming into the episode. I'm very much of the opinion that Barbera Hannah would have sounded like shit. And I still maintain that if it had started that way, Hannah Barbera would sound like shit today. But I still think you're wrong because Hannah Barbera rolls off the tongue a hundred times better than Barbera it's, it's Hannah. Because it's how you used to hearing it, listening to it, saying it. Yeah, but you're, you're trying to tell me that Vuitton Louis doesn't sound any like cheaper than Louis Vuitton. Mate, Vuitton Louis sounded fine to me. It actually did. Or Cola Coca. Cola Coca. It does, but of course it sounds weird now because that's not how you used to hearing it. But like words sound better in certain orders. That's just human nature. Like yeah, not, not that's, human nature, that's how you're... the band, but. Nature human. Nature human. That's just because that you've you've had it. It's just the way it's always been. People don't like change. But it hits the ear wrong. Only because it doesn't sound. It's not what like, you're used to hearing. Like mum and dad sounds better than dad and mum. Yeah, because that's just the way. The harsh word like up front and then a the soft word. Always been. You have the soft word first like and the harsh word for impact. No, if had it started like that, the other Dad's way around would sound wrong now. Well, you would fit in very well with them because you are wrong. But we'll leave that up to debate. Let us know in the comments whether you think that it's just due to the fact that we're used to it, that it would sound weird, or if you agree with me and are on the right side of history, that Hanna-Barbera would sound better no matter what. Mate, if I could time travel and I could change the flip of that coin, right now, we'll be having a different conversation. No, we'd be having a... a I'll be having the same argument, but you'll be telling me that Barbera Hanna sounds right and hanna No, I'll be telling right. you that Hanna-Barbera sounds better, no. and you'd be like, I don't know what you'd be saying. I would still be saying the same thing. I'd be like it. I'd be exactly the same. So you'd be in, in agreement with me if, if. No, I'd still be saying the same thing because you would now be arguing with me. I'd be I'd be arguing that, that Hannah Barbera sounds no, you, better no, because it wouldn't. sounds better. It's legit. No, you wouldn't. You'd be arguing. That anyway, we need better. we need to get off this because we've got a whole episode to get through. <laughs> Another fun fact is that they worked for three decades in the twentieth century and were like Hannah Barbera itself. Obviously, it was a prominent force in American television at the time, but it was like when it first came out, but is now what would be considered a, a household name worldwide. Oh, hell yeah. So that was the main sort of thing about the, the starting point of it, which is... And so what... So over time, so I didn't realise it actually started with Tom and Jerry. That's cool. Yeah. Tom and, and Jerry's then, fucking sick. It is. And then what they took on, they started what? They scoop Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was Hannibal Bearer. Hanna-Barbera, uh, I don't have the, the whole list of all of their works because there's too many and we'd, we'd be here all day. Yeah, right. Probably the big ones then, Scooby-Doo. Alright, I can also, I can almost go in order of like the main big ones that came out, if you want to go down that road. Mm, mm. Alright, so they started out, between 1957 and 1969, they were what was considered their prime years. Their big hit that came out in 1960 was The Flintstones. Of course, I don't even go to that straight so, away. So, which was loosely based on the CBS TV series The Honeymooners, yeah, uh, which, which was set, but it was but it was more set in the Stone Age. The Honeymooners, you'd probably know more gags from than you would actually know the show. Honeymooners had things like uh, one of these days, Alice, pow, right in the kisser. <laughs> Sorry, whenever I hear that line, though, like pow, straight. To oh, it's always future on for me. So I always hear one of these days in Dinda, one of these days. When Lou from Omicron, Lou yeah. from Omicron Percy, I hate, does it? What does he say? Uh, straight to Omicron Percy, I 
seven eight, or something. Yeah, eight or seven. Yeah. It's one of their moons. Yeah. Because be the reason for that is later on, rather than it, just on a sidetrack with the honeymooners, because people were sort of getting a bit like, is he actually threatening to you know punch his wife in the face? They changed it to one of these days, Alice. Pow, zing, zap, straight to the moon, which was still just a metaphor for punching her in the face. Yeah, I don't think uh, that really changed the meaning much. But the main... Sorry. Also on Futurama on that one, though, mm. was when the very first episode, pilot episode Futurama, when they go to the moon, actually, no, it would have been the second episode, sorry, when they went to the moon. They played that exact clip, mm. saying that it was actually them starting space travel. And Fry literally says, this is probably one of the smartest things that Fry ever says throughout the whole series. He's like, that's not what happened. That was, he was just using that as a metaphor for beating his wife. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, actor that played Ralph Cramden, the main character, the one that allegedly beat, beat his wife in the... Uh, his character. His character in the, in the TV series. The actor that played him, Jackie Gleason, actually considered suing Hanna-Barbera for copyright infringement because of the, the similarities between... Himself and what Fred Flintstone, or his character. But, yeah, between the characters, but didn't want to be known the man. Didn't want to be known as the man who yanked Fred, Fred Flintstone off the air. Good, good choice. Fun fact about the Flintstones: it ran for six seasons, becoming the it was the longest running animated show in America prime time history at that time, until The Simpsons beat it in 1997. True. Uh, I, thought more, I thought there were more than six seasons of the Flintstones. Actually. No. Did you, you didn't get um, episode count? Didn't get an episode there. count, no. But it was the top ranking, pro, at the time it was the top ranking animated program in syndicated TV history. Uh, but it originally received mixed reviews apparently, and people weren't as huge on it. Then after that, they sort of, they came up with, well, the next that came after that was the Yogi Bear Show. Yeah. Hey, boo boo. Hey. Top Cat and the Jetsons. Yeah, you know what, I reckon Jetsons, yeah, I'll probably prefer Jetsons. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a, you know, Flintstones or Jetsons. I'll put the Jetsons. Yeah, I was more the Jetsons. I like the Flintstones, but I was more the Jetsons. Yeah. They also made a lot of TV animated commercials. Uh, their biggest one was uh, for Pebble Cereal, like a spin-off from the Flintstones. Oh, right. Uh, so that was one that they, they made themselves. Fun fact that I, I found that I thought was really interesting is Hanna-Barbera cartoons actually produced the opening credits for Bewitched. The TV the series. The TV series. So you know yeah, how it's right. animated when the sh- when it starts? Yes, yeah, they did, yeah. They did all the animation for that. And then the animated characterizations of, of the two lead characters there uh, came into an episode of the Flintstones named Samantha. Yeah, right. So that was really cool. I thought that was really interesting. It is. Because back then, things like that didn't happen. You see that sort of shit all the time these days in TV shows. Oh, it's dime a dozen now. Yeah. Back then, would have been... Uh, Such an real. American saying. Dime a dozen. Dime a dozen. Yeah, because there's like the only place that has fucking dimes. Yeah. What like, is it? It's like a 25 cent coin. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's like, like oh, in Australia, it's 50 cents a six pack. No, that wouldn't work. No. Nah. After that came in, came Scooby-Doo from where they did, so between 1969, nice, and 1979, <laughs> they did a lot of spin-offs as well. This is where they earned the title, they were known as the General Motors of cartoons. Yeah, right. So they just like made everything they made scooby-doo but they did a lot of spin-offs and they did a lot of weird ones that i wasn't really aware of so they did fred and barney meet the thing as yeah. in the thing from fantastic four. Oh, oh really like, so it, i was thinking like, more like a, time yeah so i i just the thing i thought i oh, know i immediately went to like swap thing or something like that nope yeah weird uh richie rich scooby-doo show the richie rich and scooby-doo show i should say the pac-man little rascals richie rich show Little tie-in from last last episode. Yeah, yeah. 
these are just some of the weirder ones. There are other ones. Mork and Mindy, the, sorry, the Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, and Fonz Hour. Were they cartoons? They were cartoons. So that's of Mork and Mindy, Robin Williams, and. That lady. Yep, that lady. I'm not too sure who Laverne and Shirley are. It was that Laverne great. and Shirley were. It was like a sitcom back in, in that sort of era. I don't know a lot about it though. And then the, the Fonz from Happy Hour. Happy Days. Uh, Happy Days. Yeah, sorry. I was looking at, I was looking at Fonz out there. <laughs> um, yeah. So he got his own cartoon spin-off. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, sort of, sort of starting to go into a bit of a decline. They went their control over... At one point, they had 80% of like the cartoons that were on TV. They actually made up two-thirds of the Saturday morning cartoon light lineup. Nice. Which is a lot. So they started going to decline, and then they came up with the Smurfs, which they adapted from comic book by Pierre Culliford. I hope I said that right. Also known as Pierre Payo. Payo. So it's from a comic of the Smurfs and the Smurfs and they started making the Smurfs which became huge for them. Yeah man, Smurfs were awesome. Then, Not those movies they made. No, like the, the original Smurfs. Yeah. But after that, then they sort of they sort of started selling off some of their property but kept as much of the original things they could. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Hannah died of throat cancer 2001. Sydney, who was like a partner of theirs died from lymphoma and Barbera worked until he died of natural causes in 2006 but the big exciting thing before I go on to the, some other little side notes I found the big exciting thing is they've actually got they did a deal between 1991 and 2001 actually in 2001 they were absorbed by Warner Brothers mm-hmm. so they actually before I get into that they originally bought out bought out half of it was bought out by Ted Turner for Turner Broadcasting any wrestling fans out there would know originally financed WCW for the time that it was on TV. They bought it out, and when he bought it out, they he created Cartoon Network. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which became That's huge. shit. They bought that out, did that. So then they got acquired by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers are still working on bringing back Hanna-Barbera things. So it's announced that they were... They've, they've begun filming a film called Scoob, or, they've, or they've worked, it's in the works at the moment, which is based off of Scooby-Doo but it's going to be like an original film. It was originally meant to be released in 2018, but it's been now pushed back to 2020. <laughs> so hopefully that gets made. And it's apparently meant to be the first instalment in a cinematic universe, like a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe that will include the Jetsons, the Flintstones, and Wacky Races. A little bit unsure how you can... Like, you're talking prehistoric people with very futuristic people. I don't think they're meant to be like all together. I think they're but well, the it's going to be a cinematic universe. Then they At some point, they have to. Maybe know, the maybe, they'll, maybe there'll be throwbacks in the future. You can see things that came from. Or know, in the future, they there. figure out time travel. It's possible. They, they did a. They did a. I'm crossover. sure there was some sort of movie special where there is there's definitely a Flintstones Jetsons movie crossover. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my favourite characters were uh, Snagglepuss. 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 Yeah. Excellent. Stage right. Stage left, even. <laughs> yes. Uh, Top Cat, which was cool. Captain Caveman. Do you remember Captain Caveman? I do not remember Captain Captain Caveman, Caveman was sick. He was just like this weird... I like, saw him. Captain, like the like, caveman looking dude. He had a cape and he had like a big club. And he'd mm. be like, Captain Caveman! And that was really bad. But that, he does a lot. <laughs> you, of, he does a lot better Huckleberry Hound. Huckleberry Hound was cool. And the Adam Family. The Adam Family were very cool. I'm just actually looking at your list there mm-hmm. of uh, lesser-known shows. There's um, is a couple of interesting ones. So, Abbott and Costello got a cartoon show. Yes. From here. They made a cartoon of the Harlem Globetrotters. They did. They also featured an episode of Scooby-Doo as then, their cartoon. Then, Josie and the Pussycats. 
I don't know if you'd say that was a lesser known one, though. Most people know it. I mean, yeah. It's not as known as the main series of stuff, though, like, like the Jetsons, the Flintstones, hmm. that sort of yeah. thing. Teen Wolf? It was a Teen Wolf cartoon. So, that, isn't, that hasn't got anything to do with the TV show that was made a few years ago, was no. it? It's completely separate. No, no, this is like Teen Wolf, as in, like, the movie that, the 80s movie that Michael J. Fox was in. Yeah, right. Cool. Now, this one I saw, and I've got a little bit The Further Adventures of Super Ted, because I fucking remember Super Ted. Yeah. That was a short, wasn't it? It was. So, I, I did a bit of research into that, because I was like, you know, Barbera didn't make Super Ted. And when I looked I into really it, think they, did. they didn't make it. It was originally a British program, mm. and then it was... So, that would be made by the same people who made, like, Banana Man, yeah? Yeah, similar, similar yeah. production company. But they made, they bought the rights to it or whatever and then made like a new adventures sort of thing or the further adventures of Super Ted. Yeah, right. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, which I need to get myself a, a copy of because I want to watch that. That was weird. I've actually have looked into that just because I was looking into Bill and Ted stuff and found the cartoon series was very interesting because I think it was originally done by different production or Hanna-Barbera may have been the original production company to do the first season. And I'm pretty sure that also actually had Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter doing the voices of Bill and Ted. I don't know what happened, but after the first season, something happened, rights got changed, sold off, whatever, went to a different company. Uh, made a second season, didn't use the original cast, so they got different voice actors to come and do Bill and Ted, and apparently just completely flunked. Yeah, which is usually the case. And the last little thing I've just basically got to say on the Hanna-Barbera side of things was there were some later Cartoon Network shows that were produced by Hanna-Barbera exclusively for Cartoon Network or especially for Cartoon Network. Things so Spiderman like, is like a creative group. Hanna-Barbera is still there but they are now working under Cartoon Network. Although they were making them for Cartoon Network. Not yeah. not as in like working under them but because they were a subsidiary of the same company essentially. Yeah. They made like, things like Dexter's Laboratory, Johnny Bravo, Powerpuff Girls. Explains a lot. All that Loved sort of Hanna-Barbera stuff. cartoons growing up. Those new cartoons can't came in whilst I was still growing up explains what I would have liked them so much though they were great cartoons they were great they were very very good cartoons but just quickly on the note have you actually watched the new series of the Powerpuff Girls that they created no I haven't watched that yet did you know I did not know there was a new one no they uh, yeah, started remaking I think like, there's now two seasons that have been made so yeah I'm pretty sure they're into like the second season production of since they've started making or reproducing new Powerpuff Girl episodes well there you go problem that annoys me though is they always change the fucking animation style yeah my problem cartoons these days I just don't like the animation style have you seen Weird. some of the new Looney Tunes cartoons like the new new ones there's one I didn't actually mind though that when so when they went to through Cartoon Network and they made a new one and that was cool like they're all living together in like some like cul-de-sac or something and all the characters are there and there's a continuing story and Lola Bunny's like super crazy and obsessed with bugs and did you see that one no I enjoyed it but there's some of the newer ones like they've they've changed the animation style of that so it's more like the new Looney, the new uh, Roadrunner cartoons they look really CGI sort of made mm. and it takes away from it I don't like it. Speaking of things that were great the way they were and they've sort of been ruined over time, in my very humble opinion, let's talk about Call of Duty. Yeah, that deteriorated greatly over time. That's yeah. an excellent segue. It was well done. But uh, look, Call of Duty franchise. Start off well. I remember the first few well. I remember hours playing uh, with my brother just over land, just sniping the shit out of each other on maps for days. Maps for days. So the first ones, you know, 
Classic Wars. I don't know, actually, I don't know if she call them Classic Wars. It makes it sound like I'm like a classic war. Classic. Certainly not. Like, remember all those people that died in World yeah, War Two? No, classic but, you know, World War Two move. Well, yeah. When I say classic, yes, I do mean <laughs> more the fact that, you know, World War One and Two. They were good games. They were good games. I enjoyed them. And then, I don't know, they just went into that whole, I don't know, brought it into the 20th century slash 21st century. And I, quite honestly, have not enjoyed a single one of those games. Yeah, I'm very much the same. I liked a lot of the older games. I used to play a lot of, used to play a lot of original Call of Duty, and Medal of Honor. Yep. Because they were very, they were very similar. Pretty similar, yeah. Big difference I actually found out between the two of them. Call of Duty started out in two, well, started out in two thousand and three, and obviously was focused focusing on World War Two and things like that. Mm. But the difference between them and uh, Medal of Honor was that Medal of Honor just sort of focused on one character going through the whole story, whereas the first Call of Duty, you could play as someone from the American Armed Forces, the British Armed Forces, or you could play as the Germans, I'm pretty sure. So, I can't remember back now. I was, so yeah. you, you could play it from three different viewpoints, which was pretty cool. That's interesting, because the newer Battlefield games have kind of taken that approach, actually. Yeah, hmm. they have. Well, Battlefield, I guess Sorry, Battlefield, it was Battlefield British, all, British American and the Soviet standpoint, yeah. not, not Germans. Germans were the enemies. No, I guess Battlefield have always kind of done that, though. You could do it, yeah. There's you different different faction, or different countries of the allies, one. yeah. We will say something that I found incredibly interesting when going through was the original Call of Duty was also released on the Nokia N-Gage. Do you remember the Nokia N-Gage? I do. It's, I don't know. It puzzles and alarms me. Either the processing power required to play the Call of Duty was not very demanding or the Nokia N-Gage had a lot more fucking processing power behind it than you realised. Yeah, it's... Well, the whole premise of the N-Gage was that it was meant to be like a Game Boy that you could take calls on, essentially. Yeah, it was very forward-thinking. It was very forward-thinking. So it was even like, you know, its whole design was shaped like, not as a Game Boy, because, you know, they'll probably get sued. Copyright. But but it was like it was designed to be handheld on its side with buttons to be able to be used. It was uh, it was cool. Always wanted one. Never got one. No, Always same. Wanted I wanted one. one as well, and I never got one. They were very cool. It's a very it, niche market. It's funny because... a little bit ahead of its time, I think. A little bit ahead of its time, because there are gaming phones out there now that... Uh, I think there's like a Game Shark one. I may be wrong if I've called it the wrong company, but it's it's like a phone, like a normal phone that you can do all your normal phone stuff on. You can take calls, make calls, do all that sort of stuff, check your Facebook. But then it's got like a set of controls that clip onto it kind of like a Switch. Yeah. And then you can play stuff like Fortnite and PUBG and like actual games. Not like mobile versions of games, but like the actual... Full game version, version yeah, of the right. of like full version of the game like it's crazy my brother in sydney's sister-in-law he she's got one and apparently it's awesome rates it rates it highly rates it highly but call of duty was pretty it was a pretty basic shooter from the get-go you know you had your two primary weapon slots your handgun slot and then you carry up to 10 grenades pick up weapons that you found on the battlefield like after people had sort of dropped off got dropped guns and things like that the earlier call of duty you could also toggle your your firing mode which they got rid of so if you remember in the first ones you go single to automatic yeah Yeah. you go single to auto weird so something that's definitely in most shooting games these days as well good ones anyway so they were blazing a trail there standard health system you have your basic amount of health Mm -hmm. you lose health points pick up medipacks throughout the map or if you killed certain enemies they'd have medipacks you could pick up usual sort of thing it also featured shell shock yeah, that was pretty cool. Where, like, you an explosion would go off near you, it'd, like, mess with mm. your hearing and stuff. That's it. Scream go slightly... Blurry. Not, yeah, a little bit blurry. Kind of, you know, 
like you've been flashbanged a little bit. Not, not fully, well, but... Which is probably ahead know. of its time for when it was hmm. when it was released. It was good. I don't really know a lot about Call of Duty other than that. I mean, no, I well, the, it just went downhill, that's why. I played the earlier games, loved that, then sort of fell off sort of through. Cause I used to play a lot of war games. I used to play games like, like Ill of Honor... Play some really cool Vietnam ones. I think there was a game called like Vietnam Purple Haze or something like that. Oh, shit. Or like Covert Vert Vietnam or something like that. That was pretty cool. You had to like crawl through the jungle and stop at certain points to cut tripwires so you didn't set off traps and shit like that. Mm, see. Pretty cool. I don't know, a lot of those games went down, especially when they started bringing it into like more current times of war games. I just, I really like, same with Battlefield. I used to love Battlefield 1942. That game was awesome. You have like massive 64 like like bots and stuff on the map we used to play that over the land and that was absolutely great uh, we always had a laugh because one of the actual like bots made for one of the British soldiers actually matched exactly like one of my mates names so I won't say but just so he doesn't get spammed but he, um, yeah we used, to, we used to love it we used to love it like oh there you are man look at you over there there he is there you are man what are you doing I think, I think the games went downhill as well because like warfare has evolved over time as well and like as we've as technology's improved, the way that wars are fought... Overcomplicated it? Yeah, a, a different. Like, you can wipe out a whole country with the press of a button now. <laughs> you can. But, yeah, I think it's... I'm not it's saying more that you sim- should. I'm just saying it's something it that was, can be it was done. It was like, you know, and you get gun stuff here, and these days, like, oh, yeah, press this button, and you can start bringing up this... And you do all this weird shit, and you're just like, Calling oh, dude, I just want to run stuff. around the street. I just want to shoot people. people. I just want to shoot... That's, that's I want to shoot do. Germans in the head. Not now. Yeah. In video games. I'm like, that's just what I want to do. That's why I'm here. I'm just here to grab a gun, go out, and fight my war. That's right. And then they want you to do this other weird shit. I want to be a hero. Like, no, nah, they're like, oh, and then you can do this. And like, I think, what was I think one of them, I think it was when one of the first Modern Warfare's, or maybe one of the Black Ops games or something. Might not even been a Call of Duty one, where they brought in, and all of a sudden they're like, enhancements. And you get enhancements and shit, and you could like fucking run and jump, run and jump and run along walls and shit. And you're just like, that's just. No. I'm pretty sure that's in Call of Duty. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure it is. It, I know it's definitely. Pretty sure that was. I think sure that was one of the things that really made me just go, "Nah, this is." It's definitely in Titanfall. They've run out that. of things to do. They've lost it. They've got to put these weird shit in. Like I think I saw. So I tried playing Black Ops Three. Yeah, which, as was, well which as is one the, of the free games on the PSN at one point. And as well as Modern Warfare Remastered, which also got through um, PlayStation Plus, and I. One, the cutscenes, I couldn't fucking skip them and it pissed me the fuck off. Yeah, to no end. I was like, I just want to fucking shoot some people. Yeah. And then when I started shooting people, it was just, I just didn't enjoy it. I just really didn't. One, because probably, I don't really like playing first person shooters on a console. Not my cup of tea. I prefer mouse and, mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Fuck spirit for first person shooters, in my opinion. But yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't skip the cutscenes. I just didn't enjoy it. I was, I got a little bit excited about Black Ops 3 because I remember when Black Ops first came out, it had the zombies mode. And I used to enjoy playing that with my mates, you know, split screen, zombies, heaps of fun. That actually was good. That was, I actually hated playing the normal game, but zombies, I got around that. Try playing zombies on Black Ops 3. They put me this thing it's like some sort of like neo-noir, 1940s setting, and I just, I just didn't like it. I just... Yeah, you had like weird power-ups you could get. Yeah. But, yeah, there were different uh, game modes that I saw in the Black Ops 3, which I played a, a few of. So it was your normal sort of campaign, your multiplayer then you had a, a nightmare mode, which I think was mainly like similar to the sting of the campaign, but all the enemies were zombies. Then there was free run mode, which is like a timed uh, parkour obstacle course sort of thing. We had to run and jump over things, which was pretty shit. And, and then there was a top-down arcade shooter that was 
like a two-stick shooter, you'd run and sort of just shoot all these zombies, and then every now and again it would, you could pick up a power-up that would drop you down into first-person, then you'd be using your first-person controls as normal to kill all the zombies and stuff as well. Mm. Which was okay, that one was actually pretty fun. But overall, yeah, not a huge fan of the series and where it's gone. A few notable things. Ghost was, Call of Duty Ghost was one of the, it was the only game in the series that had a non-playable, sorry, had a non-human playable character, which was a German shepherd named Riley, who you could play as and attack people and like rip their throats out and shit. German attack dog. Yeah. Love it. It's good shit. Other than that, there was not a lot else I could find. The only other thing I found that was interesting was the controversy that sort of surrounded Call of Duty over the years, especially Modern Warfare 2. So Modern Warfare 2 included a mission called No Russian, which I'm sure fans of the series would be very familiar with. Those that aren't familiar with it, you basically play a CIA agent who is you know, basically tasked or asked to infiltrate a Russian terrorist cell. And part of your initiation is you must you have to participate in a massacre at an airport in Moscow. Yeah, right. So once you get in there, there's a heap of civilians and there is an option where you can you can just skip the whole level and you don't lose anything for it. You still get the achievements for doing the level, everything like that. They don't penalise you for not doing it. But you can also massacre all the innocent civilians in the airport and kill all the cops out the front, all the armed forces out the front, and then get in the car and, and go. The developers actually put it in there because they wanted to be able to evoke emotion in the people playing it to the point where it's an unimaginable thing to be part of a terrorist plot. But actually putting you in the position to do it. Yeah, I think they're focused in the wrong way there. I mean, most people realise that it's a bad thing to yeah. be in a terrorist plot. I think that shouldn't have been there. I think it should have been more of a realisation of, yes, this is a video game. However, they may just be... Like, because when it's time you're shooting an enemy, this is the bad guy, go out and shoot them. And, you know, they are just... They're just computer-generated images on the screen. Yeah. Yes, making those computer-generated images not... The bad person, I guess, should also make you rethink, like, oh, yes, this isn't actually something, like, it's a video game, yes, it's not real, so, you know, I think it's it was that. more to highlight the, the horrors that are out there in the real world as well. Although they did make the call to remove, uh, like, women and children and families, like, hugging families and stuff out of the group of people, so it was all just, like, I guess, single women and... Single dudes. Single dudes. Just disposable people. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Yeah, is that the image that I was like, yeah, so if you don't actually have family or anything, um, yeah, that's cool. But uh, there was a few other things that came out that was sort of funny about that mission. Not, yeah, I, I guess I'd say funny. The leader of the terrorist group, when you start the mission, says, remember, no Russian. But in the Japanese version of the game, the translation comes across as, kill them, they are Russians. There's a very big difference in meaning. Yeah, it changes it changes the whole sort of dynamic. Uh, the only other thing I found that was interesting about that was about that whole game was the time that it came out to sort of spruik the game coming out. The company that made the game, Infinity Ward, posted a video on YouTube entitled "Fight Against Grenade Spam." I'll let that marinate for a sec. So the acronym for that is F A G S. Ooh. Yeah. So. They copped a bit of heat for that, mm. as as it apparently you know being homophobic. But there was also in one of the tutorial levels of Modern Warfare Two, there was a part in the opening thing. If you stayed still and didn't actually do anything, one of the NPCs would have a conversation with another one, asking him about his sexuality. To which he would reply, "Don't ask, don't tell." 
which was the old Mm. military way of thinking, uh, which was, yeah, got them in a little bit of hot water. The only other thing that was a bit sort of not really controversial, but was just uh, probably a little controversial, was one of the multiplayer maps is set in Karachi, uh, based off the real-life city in Pakistan. Mm. The map had numerous signs and banners that were in Arabic. Oh, dear. They don't don't speak Arabic in, in Karachi in Pakistan. They speak Urdu. Oh, their, right. Their actual, their actual language there. So someone's just like, yeah, no, it's yeah, all about the same. We'll just... Yeah, it all sounds the same. Let's put it all in there. Oh, it'll do. No one will notice. Everyone noticed. Everyone noticed. Well, probably not everyone, but a lot no. of people. I, I, I wouldn't have noticed. I wouldn't have noticed. I would have been like, cool. But yeah, that's pretty much everything I could. I sort of had on Call of Duty. Yeah, Definitely. In, in, in summary, bog game franchise. Yeah, just went from being good to... I think they, they, they have even taken a leaf out of EA's book with Battlefield. Because, tell you what, when, Bat- when I heard they were releasing Battlefield 1, based on the First World War, I actually got excited. I was like, yes, going back to classic warfare again. And it was. Battlefield 1, great game. Loved it. And they released Battlefield 5, which was basically 1942, jazzed up. Uh, so I haven't played it, but, uh, you know, wait for it to go on some, some good special. But, uh, yeah, no, going back to those classic wars, I just, yeah, I hate all the, I don't need all the frilly bits. I was going to go out there with a gun, shoot the enemy. That's all you want. Hmm. And skippable cutscenes. Fucking yes, please, skippable cutscenes. I don't mind if, like, I can't skip it, like, but there's just, there's just shit I didn't, I, I didn't care. Tell you one thing that you wouldn't want to skip any part of, Pulp Fiction. No, no, you would not. These Pulp... segues are fucking tight today. They're good, just so you know, I thought Trent planned these. Apparently, he, he just comes up with these on the spot. I just make these up as I go along. So I asked him what he was going to do today. I'm like, oh, how are you going to segue from one thing to today? He's like, I don't know, man. I just do it on the spot. <laughs> this is how I roll. <laughs> I, uh... Because we, we generally have... We have a, a beer or two while we're, we're recording. Currently drinking uh, some Summers Bee Apple Cider. Mm. It's a pretty warm day. So it is. It's a good yeah. day for it's it. a good day for it. So when I come up with my segues, I let the liquor do the thinking. Which... For any Trailer Park Boys fans out there, you'll get that. Anyway, oh, Pulp Fiction. What a classic. Absolute fucking classic movie. Like, Quentin Tarantino makes good films, but this is up there. This was... This... What? That's one of my all-time faves. Was it 94? Did it came out? I'm going to say 94. Pretty sure it was 94. But still, really uh, changed the way, uh, I think, people going forwards approached movie making. A lot of people, you know... I always get the one common thing is like, oh, I had to watch it a few times or whatever because they couldn't, the storyline was all over the place. Like, it wasn't in the sequential order of the actual story. A lot of people had a lot of time navigating what was going on and when. Is that because they don't have a big brain on them like Brett? (laughs) That's right. Look at the brains on Brett. But, I don't know. I've never never had that much trouble following it. um, But no, classic movie. I would actually like to say... My first, uh, my first exposure to Pulp Fiction would have been not long after it came out. Uh, the parentals were watching it. You know, they, they, they did the right thing. I went to bed, so they put it on so they could watch it. And I had to get up to do something, and it came in. It came in on the scene where, by the way, if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, there will be spoilers. If you haven't <laughs> seen Pulp Fiction by now, though... Oh, look, you, you've had, what, 15 years if we Stop are, Stop this right? episode right no, now. No, 25 years. Sorry, Stop 25 this episode years. right now. Go watch Pulp Fiction, come back and listen to the rest of it. As Molly would say, do yourself a favour. Right. Reference um, Molly in two episodes in a row. Maybe yeah. it'll be a running theme. Yeah, I know. He'll probably still soon. Um, no. No. Molly wouldn't do that. 
But yeah, it was a scene where um, Vince has got Mia Wallace after she's just, you know, started like whole line heroin and they're in his dealer's place trying to bring him back to life. Now, one reason I really wanted to watch this movie when I got older was because I remembered seeing Boob. As a young boy, I'd seen some Boob. Very disappointed to find out that is not actually the case. You do not get to see Mia Wallace's boobs in that movie. Have you Mandela affected yourself? I did a little bit because I think it was because you know where they get the red felt marker out and they like. Draw I love the fact target. that you actually remembered that you actually knew what the Mandela effect was. I was like, man, I'm hoping he doesn't ask me about this and I have to go into an in-depth <laughs> explanation. Anyway, the red marker. Yeah, so they draw the felt tip marker onto the target where he's got to stab, you know, the adrenaline into her. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I assume that what Imagine I've done a marker, is... A marker! Is, like a fucking felt pen! Is that I've seen that, and I was like, oh, boob. But it wasn't. Yeah, like, potentially it was because six-year-old me had never seen a boob, so potentially it, that was what they looked like. Can I just say, Uma Thurman is smoking hot in that movie. She is, indeed. Like, even when she's all, like, fucked up after getting brought back from the dead, <laughs> she still looks hot. She still looks good. She still looks good. One thing I will say about that scene, I only really noticed it, because I've watched, I've watched Pop Fiction, I don't even know how many times. I've watched it a million times. But, that scene, the only, thing, the only time I noticed it was the other night when I was watching it, and it really, it didn't bug me, but I'd never, I just was just like, how did I never notice this before? She's laying there, dying on the floor. Yep. Now, I know it's for dramatic effect in the film and everything like that, but they do the count of three, but it is the slowest fucking three count ever. It's oh, like I get that though. I get I get that though. They build, didn't know it, if it was going to work. They didn't know what they were doing. They were yeah, freaking the fuck out. And it, I mean, it builds suspense and everything like that. But it's like this bitch is dying. Like that, that three like, seconds could have been. The yeah, that could have between. been like life or death, or <laughs> the, the very least between her being a vegetable or not. True. Can we say vegetable. Yeah. No, that's um not the medical term, but yeah. Alright, uh, cool. I like the fact that I ask you if I can say it like you know. <laughs> but yeah, very, very good film. Uh, I was, would always like to open a restaurant similar to Jackrabbit Slim's. But that is no way a real restaurant. No, but something similar to that would be really cool. It would be. We I'm, had, sure, we, I'm sure there's stuff like that in America, though. I'm sure like, there is. We had one similar to here, similar to that here in Hobart. Did we, though? We certainly did. It was called... Oh, let's get test the old memory. It was called Coupe de Ville, and it was... Cadillac Coupe de Ville, my tapes and my CDs just don't sell, I bet my caddy will. Continue. Yes, obviously named after the Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Yeah. But it was where, do you remember where the, the black, this is for anyone that's not from Hobart in Tasmania, you will have no idea what I'm talking about, but do you remember where the Black Prince used to be? Yes. Where the uni building That's where the uni, now? yeah. Yep. It used to be in there before it was the Black Prince, and they had all of the stuff, they had like car booths that you could sit in they had like cars like coming out of the wall like it just crashed through all the stuff on the menu was like you get like a strawberry sundae but it wasn't called a strawberry sundae it was called a pink cadillac that's like pretty cool gumballs and little jukeboxes on the tables so you could put money in there and put music on and it was cool but it was a bit ahead of its time people weren't into that sort of shit back then no nah. when i was like that's like when i was a kid so it was, i'd say i'd i'd say it would be at least 20 years ago at least yeah that yeah, makes sense so because I don't actually remember anything being there before the Black Prince. Yeah, I remember my dad took me there. I think he only ever took me there once, but it was super cool. I remember loving it. But that was really cool. Speaking of the restaurant scene, or the when they're in the restaurant, so they order their food. Vincent gets a steak, bloody as hell, mm-hmm. and Mia gets a burger, also bloody. Mm-hmm. But then the they get their drinks. Vince gets a five dollar. No, no Mia gets, gets a five dollar shake. shake. He gets a vanilla coke. But the five dollar shake is interesting. One thing. You know, 
So, you know, he makes the remark, it's a shake, it's milk and ice cream, it's $5. Like, they don't put bourbon or nothing in there. Mm. It's a fair point. But the way that the, it gets asked her is how she wants it is, you know, do you want it Martin and Lewis or Amos and Andy? Mm. Amos and mm. Andy, not Hamish and Andy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you actually look into what that means? Yeah, I, I did. No, well, I, no I had, fucking idea. I had no idea. And I'd heard it a million times, and I was like, eh, I wonder what it's, what it's all about. So I looked into it. So Martin and Lewis are actually referenced as they walk through the restaurant because they walk past an impersonator of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Right, right. So Martin and Lewis is vanilla. Oh, no. And Amos and Andy were... <laughs> now, Amos and Andy's a bit of a difficult one. It's chocolate. Mm, mm. Oh, I thought that's where we're, you were going. We're going that. into some deep water here. Uh, <laughs> they, man, they did it. We're just explaining they did it. We're just explaining it. So it was... A radio show originally, back, way back, like, to iterate how long ago it was, the radio show ran from 1928 to 1960. Which it's was, a good run. It is a good run. Then it was eventually adapted into TV. But it was set in Harlem, which is notorious for being a mostly black community, or African-American <laughs> well, like community. I like how you're saying, you're like, can I say this? Yes, you can. This is the truth. You can yeah, say it. it's fine. The thing was... The voice actors that did the radio show mm. were not black. Oh, were they just... They were white dudes. Well, were they actually, like, putting on voices to Pretty much, portray yeah. themselves as, as being... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then... Also, the t- people didn't know this for years? Like, or, yeah, or probably for a like- while. And then when they adapted it to TV, it became a... Really awkward, because... They had African-American or black actors playing the, the roles, but they actually told them that they had to keep their voices and speech patterns close to those of the white actors that originally did the voices. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's rough. It is. By the way, Mia gets a Martin Lewis shake, so she's a vanilla shake kind of gal. There we go. But there, that's what that was a little extra little tidbit. Uh, what's your favourite What's your favorite part of the movie? Shit. I'll give you top three, because like, it's hard to narrow it down to one. Yeah, okay. I'll give you top three. I mean, you got the, the not the opening scene, uh, but definitely the scene Vince and Jules in, in the apartment with Brett. Classic. Oh, that's it, you know. Can I just interject there, sorry? Yeah, you know, you can. So, that scene, I always call that Intimidation 101. Because if you watch, <laughs> if you watch that scene, when Jules walks in, the guy gets to go up off, get up off the couch to greet him. Mm, and he mm. sort of puts his hand out like, He's like, no, you like stay. stay down. Yeah. Lightly, I'll put your feet up. And then, while Brett's explaining something to him, he shoots the guy on the couch without breaking eye contact with Brett. And then he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? It's like, man, that's that's harsh. And the fact that Vincent's behind him, you can see Brett's constantly looking over his shoulder, like, mm, what's, like, what's going doing? on behind yeah. me? Like, it's just, it's a clinic on if you're wanting to intimidate a group of people. Mm. Yeah, so there's that scene. Your top three, man. No, no, no I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Top three. Top three scenes. Don't know. We're doing, we've got uh, we've got scene... Um, Bruce Willis is... When Butch... Marcel Swallows comes in and helps him. Gets him out. Night of the fight, you might feel a little sting. That's pride <laughs> fucking, fucking with, with you. you. Fuck <laughs> pride. <laughs> Ving Rams is an awesome actor. He's got a good, great voice for that sort of thing. Mm. Alright, so that scene. Yeah. What about you? You got one? You, got, you, got, you have three. You've given me two. Yeah, I thought, you were, I thought you were chucking some out there too. No, go your three and then I'll go my three. Fuck, all right. Jesus, man. 
He wasn't in the movie. Sure. Although the drug dealer kind of looked a little bit like him. <laughs> he but... did look a little bit like him, didn't he? Yeah, a bit of a Jesus vibe going. I don't know. I'm having trouble picking a third scene. What have you got? You go. Alright. So obviously, oh, I am in 100% agreement with you as far as the first part where they go into the apartment with Brett and everything like that mm. is, is great. Uh, they go through a lot of stuff. The actual Bible verse that Jules quotes to him isn't actually a real Bible no, it's verse. it's not. No. It's a... It's, Actually, a composite of it's actually a speech from a kung fu film that was released oh, in 1976 really? called The Bodyguard, and then the last part of it is actually from an actual Bible verse. But yeah, a composite of the two, he sort of mixes it together. But it is cool, and it, and it does sound cool as hell. So I'd have to say that that's like up that there. whole scene is amazing. It, it's amazing. That is, it's great. Interesting. I don't know if he actually gets a name in the movie at all, but the guy, not. The, the one that's standing by the front door when they walk in. Yeah. Uh, Phil Lamar. Mm-hmm. Excellent voice actor. He's on Futurama. Pretty sure pretty sure he plays Hermes Conrad. And he does a lot of other voice acting as well. He's actually a very good Pretty voice sure actor. his name in the movie is Marvin or Martin yes, or something. Yes, Marvin. Marvin, that's it. But, you know, he's a very good voice actor. He does a lot of voice acting um, outside of actual, you know, being in front of a camera. And yeah, pretty sure, yeah, he plays Hermes Conrad in uh, Futurama. Well, there you go. Uh, so there's that one that's definitely, definitely up there. It's so good. I do like the the, the restaurant scene where Mia and Vinny are out. I'd probably give it more of an honourable mention than saying it's a favourite, though. Mm, yeah, I was thinking that. See, I was, I was thinking it was a bit the same. Like, for my third one was the scene when they go in and they, they are rushing to revive Mia as well. But again, more of an honourable mention because I love it. Like, they've got that... Um, that chick who's sitting on the couch the whole time. Is that it's not his girlfriend or whatever? And she's just... It's the friend that he wants friend, to try and yeah. set um, Vinny up with. Yeah, and she's just sitting there like, whoa. She's like, what yeah. the fuck's <laughs> going on? I like the bit where... This is, again, probably more of an honourable mention, but where he goes in to buy heroin off the dude. And he talks about the person key in his car. Mm. And he's like, what a weak piece of shit. And then he's like, He's like, you know what? He's like, I would have given anything for him to, to catch him doing it, man. It's like, it would have been worth him doing it for me to catch him doing it. <laughs> Which I thought was gold. Mm. Uh, second favourite. Oh. You're having a go at me trying to pick three. Yeah, I know. It's hard. I'd have to say one of my favourites is the scene where Butch saves Marcellus from getting further raped by those two that's what I meant that, that, that was my that was my that's what I meant I'll put it the other way around sorry I was remembering it as Marcellus saving Butch but no you are right it's the other way around yeah yeah that was my second scene yeah yeah so you're not the bit where they first meet no 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 that's not the bit I mean we're, we're we're just like, this is how it's going to be yeah you got your ass no. goes down the fifth let me hear you say no, it's not that one no, this is the end where he saved him and Marcellus telling him how it's going to be from there he's like you're going to leave I'm going to stay here yeah, yeah now I'd, I'd repeat the speech, but there's parts in it that I can't say as a <laughs> as a white dude. Uh, was that Matthew McConaughey that played uh, Zed? Or just I someone? Don't think it was. No, looks similar though. Yeah, well, you could see you could see how it could. I just like that bit where Butch says to him, "You okay?" And he says, "Nah, man, I'm pretty fucking far from okay." <laughs> yeah, <I'm... laughs> and then he says, "What does he say?" He says, "He says." I'm going to call a couple of hard pipe-hitting murphers who'll uh, go to work on... Is that? I'll go to work on homes here for with a pair of pliers and a blowtorch. Mm. And then he actually 
changes his direction and talks to the guy that was just raping him. And he's like, you hear me? He'll, you hear me talking, hillbilly boy? I ain't done with you by a damn sight. I'm going to get medieval on your ass. <laughs> like, that guy knows he's in for a rough night. Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> he's in for some trouble. And the other part. You know what? Mine's a bit more... My third one's probably more of an, an obscure one. Yeah. So, it's after... Butch wins the fight that he wasn't meant to win, mm. and he's on the phone to his bookie, mm. and he's like, the book because the guy that he beats in the fight dies in the fight. He says something. He says something along the lines of, I don't have the exact quote written down, but he says something along the lines. His bookie obviously says to him like, you know, I feel bad or whatever. So you should feel bad about what happened to that guy. And he's like, he's like, fuck him, Scotty. If he was a better fighter, he'd still be alive. Yeah, he should, you know, he should never have laced up his gloves, let alone laced up his gloves and got in the ring with me. <laughs> so cocky I'm like it's fucking awesome so that's probably my third one that's really cool and it's just really funny and Bruce Willis has hair in this movie which reminds me of photos when I look back and see photos of myself with hair and I'm like oh shit I used to look weird with hair yeah cool sorry I was just looking up who actually played uh, Zed it was actually uh, uh, Dorian Tyrell or Tyrell oh sorry or no, it, sorry, sorry, sorry Peter Green is his name sorry and he played Dorian Tyrell which is the bad guy in The Mask that's exactly what I was about to ask you. Yeah. Is that the bad guy from the mask? Yeah. The one that puts the mask on and like sucks up all the bullets. I, right? I just, just want to say though, so I've just gone to like this uh, this fandom wiki page uh, mm. for it for villains, and <laughs> whoever's done this great, it's like he's just the description, like his little profile was said, at least none, probably shouldn't. Anyway, powers, skills, strength, and BDSM. That's awesome. Hobby, sodomizing his victims. Goals. Sodomize Marcellus Wallace, in brackets, succeeded. Assert his power through sod- through sodomy by force. Brackets, failed. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't, he didn't uh, succeed completely on that one. There's some pretty, there's some pretty crazy shit in the, uh, in the movie, though. Like, I, for one, the first time I ever watched Pulp Fiction, did not see that coming. Yeah, like, it takes crazy twists and turns. Like, <laughs> like it really whoa. does. It's like, whoa. Now, can I tell you something really... I'm not even going to lie, I'm asking you permission. I'm going to tell you something. I am going to tell you mm, something mm. really fucking cool. Right? Do it. So, from Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, okay. Another Tarantino film. That was his first, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Kill Bill. Mm. Another Tarantino film. They take place in, like, a special movie universe. Oh, here so, we go. So when the characters, when all the characters of like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, when they go to the movies, Kill Bill and From Dusk Till Dawn is the movies, other movies that they watch. Yes. So they're like Didn't I tell movies you within the movies. Probably did. But I'm just setting the scene. Okay. Okay. There's right. actually a scene being set up here. Yeah. So, Fox Force 5. Yes. Which was Mia's failed pilot. Yes. Is Kill Bill. Yes. We've not discussed this on the podcast before. We have discussed it on the podcast before. We did, did it on the first episode. Well, I've obviously made a note of it from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for those that are listening and actually want the breakdown, Mia played the expert with knives in her pilot, which mm-hmm. Uma Thurman also plays the bride, who is a knife slash samurai expert in Kill Bill. Uh, there was, a, in Mia's words, the black girl, who was a demolition expert, uh, which was Verita Green who was the demolition expert in Kill Bill, the one she fights yep. in her house while her little daughter goes outside to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jap, again, Mia's words. <laughs> I just want to reiterate Just that. reiterating. She was a kung fu 
expert, which in Kill Bill was Oren Ishii. Yeah, so that's like, she's like the crazy, like, schoolgirl-looking one, isn't she? No. No, 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 no. no. Oren Ishii is Lucy Liu's character in Kill Mm. Bill. Oh, is that, that's who she had to go through to get to Lucy Liu? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had to go through some, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but Oren Ishii is the the one, is Lucy Liu's character. And then there was the French, who was, whose speciality was sex, and that's Ellie Driver, played by Daryl Hannah in... Kill Bill, and she's Bill's lover, so mm. that's why speciality sex, Kill Bill, and then Somerset O'Neill was the leader of the Fox Force Five, which is Bill, because he no. was the leader of the the Viper Kill Squad, Death Squad, or whatever they were called. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool how they. That's a cool tie-in. I really like the fact that it is. I don't know if because yeah, I remember looking at that ages ago. I don't think no Tarantino has actually confirmed that though. I think that may have been where it came from. Like people had it, and I think. People want to know whether or not they were all tied together. And I think that is the, the one that you said, like, you know, Dust Till Dawn, Kill Bill, and then the other movies. I'm pretty sure that is the actual description that Quentin Tarantino himself gave to describe it. Is it that, yeah, they're the movies that the people in the other movies watch? Yeah. But the link between Kill Bill and the it was very Fire, Yeah, it was awesome. It's mm. very clear. Mm. But the thing I'd like, I think we've discussed it, we've discussed it on previous podcasts, potentially, previous episodes. But I would like to see, like, if, if Quentin was like, I'm going to retire from movies, I'm going to make one last movie, makes one movie that links everything together. See, that's why I, I actually thought that was going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, because you went and seen that. I haven't seen that yet. I did go and see it. And I kind of, oh no, because I, like, before going into it, I actually read a few things and, like, the way actors and, like, the way Tarantino is on sets, like, he doesn't let or doesn't like the actors having like mobile phones and stuff on so he likes to keep it very minimal because he doesn't he do, he himself does not like technology he he tries to keep it out of his own life as much as possible and then tries to bring that through on his sets as well with the actors and everything else and I just know and just I don't know I guess the way the article was written kind of gave me the impression that maybe this is going to be his kind of last hurrah and I was hoping, based off the title, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the time setting everything else, and given the fact that we had those characters, we know that the these are the movies that they go and see, like through Kill Bill, and once, that maybe somehow that was going to be tied in, and that this was going to be the link. The movie that it says definitely this is the link between all of that. But uh, unfortunately, no spoilers, I hope, that that was not the case. So definitely a different movie though. D- different. It was uh. Yeah, I have to check movie. it out. I have to it was it was good. It. No, once upon a time Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Definitely thoroughly. worth a watch. Obviously. Oh, definitely worth a watch. I think I don't know. I know. I know. Your wife as well as my wife are the same. They do not like Pulp Fiction. They We've really do not this like. The, yeah, they do not like the movies at all. And I. My wife was not aware this was a Quentin Tarantino film. I was like, we should go to the movie. She's like, yeah, okay, let's go. So I'm like, I really want to watch this movie. She's like, okay, let's go. And I made the mistake of telling her that it was before, just as the movie was starting rather than waiting till the end and seeing whether she actually liked it or not. And she just looked at me and she's like, what? Why did you bring me to see this then? Yeah. And you definitely should have waited there. I, I think I should have waited and then engaged until, her reaction Until it came it. across the screen, a Quentin Tarantino because film. That would have been gold. Out of all these films, I would say that... Um, Whilst there's stuff going on the whole time, there is not a real discernible storyline to the whole movie. It is really a lot of random scenes. There's nothing bad about that, but there is no real overarching overarching story to be told. 
I definitely will check it out. But close up the uh, Pulp Fiction thing. Great film. Great soundtrack. Oh, soundtrack is solid. Like it I is think, very um, solid. Even though no one will ever know it because my phone is constantly vibrate because I hate my phone making noise. My ringtone actually is Miser Lou, which is the song during the opening credits, like the you know surfy beat, surfy the the <laughs> yeah that one yeah yeah that is actually my ringtone on my phone just because I do enjoy Pulp Fiction a lot. It is it is great, but it's time to consult the Hats of Destiny. The Hats of Destiny. What are we going to be talking about right. in our next episode? What have you got there? We don't know until we pull it out. Yeah, because we always forget which hats are which. So let's go with fumble to open this piece of paper what you got there American Pie American Pie this is obviously the movie hat that will be the movie hat alright American Pie for movie I haven't watched that in years actually I haven't watched that the original no I haven't watched the first no, one no, I'm, I'm guessing we'll discuss the whole series though uh, maybe potentially um, and then Borderlands we've got Borderlands yeah. Borderlands so we obviously have the video game hat here Yes, and... and so uh, that's actually pretty fitting, actually, seeing the third one just dropped, like, it's actually a couple really, of days ago. Really fitting. Right, and by process of elimination, that would mean this is the TV show hat. It would do. So, we are going to be talking about Gotham. Gotham? Yeah, it's an exciting one. It, uh, that actually is. That's a very exciting one. Yeah. So, so there you go. There we have it. That's another, another episode done and dusted. Uh, as always, you can communicate and follow us on Facebook at Cult of Popularity, at uh, Instagram under the same name. Pretty sure you can just search Cult of Popularity on Twitter. I just think it's if you want to communicate with us, our Twitter handle at this stage is Cult O Popularity. We may look at changing that. It works though. Kind of sounds cool, you know? It does kind of sound cool. Cult O Popularity. Cult O Popularity. That's another, it. That's it's it. been another well, episode of Cult of Popularity Podcast. It has. I've been Trent, he's been Josh, and this has been the C O Double P. Cop that.